Welcome to La Corner, La Source's digital show dedicated to the sport and entertainment industry. Every two weeks, we invite a professional to share their experience, background, and challenges. The sport industry moves fast, and having their insights is the best way to keep up to speed. Welcome to La Corner. Today, we were pleased to receive Alison Liu from the 49ers. Uh, for those of you who don't know the 49ers, this is the uh, American football team based in, in San Francisco. The whole team, the whole franchise embarked on a digital transformation about 10 years ago. And so for about an hour uh, with Alison and Samuel, we discussed how this franchise has been improving its venue experience. We hope you're a good listening and, and stay tuned for the next episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our new season of Le Corner International. It's my pleasure here to welcome Alison with us directly from the Bay. Good morning, Alison. Morning. Thank you for having me. Hey, and I am delighted to have with me Samuel Westberg today. We'll be doing the, the third third party host with us. Glad to be here, guys. All right. So before before we, we start, just, just wanted to say Happy New Year. Uh, all the best for 2022. Uh, I, I won't be talking about COVID and, and the situation in the US or even in Europe. Otherwise, I'm going to kill myself. Uh, I hope everybody could, could have some rest uh, during the, the last period, the Christmas season. Um, but uh, yeah, Happy New Year to everyone and, and let's get started. Um, Alison, usually in, in our podcast, we, we like to start with, with a short presentation from, from the person we're talking with. And, and so I, I would like to, to hear from you uh, a bit about your background, uh, your academic and professional journey, and, what, and what, how did you arrive in, at the 49ers? Awesome. Um, well, first off, thanks, La Source, for having me. I'm honored to be the first podcast to sort of kick off 2022. Um, so excited to be here. Uh, yeah, uh, so my my name is Allison Liu, and I've been at the San Francisco 49ers for almost five and a half years now, which is like a crazy long time when I, when I think about how fast time passes. Um, before that, I had, I had graduated from Harvard Business School, but then before that transition into the sports industry, I had a background in energy and utilities consulting. I majored in environmental engineering from undergrad and uh, spent a year in China doing energy efficiency research, and then three years in New York working with energy and utilities clients, and then went to business school. When I went to business school, I was thinking about you know doing energy technology when I graduated, but at the same time, I wanted to use business school as a way to try something completely new. Um, and working for the sports industry was always something that was sort of in the back of my mind that I had been considering. And then the second I got into business school, I was thinking about how to use that one last risk-free summer in between the first and second year, right? That's where you can really try something crazy yeah. and then just sort of default back into, um, you know, what you were doing before if you didn't really like it. And so that summer I 
faked my way into an internship with the Orlando Magic before, uh, with magic. before that. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Um, there was nothing on my resume that said, you know, this person might be <laughs> capable of working in the sports industry. Um, but they took a chance on me, um, Anthony Perez and Jay Riola. Jay is still with the Magic. They were sort of my first mentors in the sports space. And um, they, uh, when I graduated, so I wrapped up my internship there. It was, it was an awesome time, awesome summer to work with them. Um, I was thinking about, you know, my, my own personal goals as well. And I, I'm from the Bay Area. And so I grew up in San Francisco. Mm. And moving back to the Bay Area was one of my top priorities because at that point I had been sort of on the East Coast for about 10 years. Um, and so they introduced me to Moon Javed and Yumesh Johari of right. the San Francisco 49ers. And that's how I got the introduction there. Um, and I, I did a short project with them when I was in business school. And then they offered me a full-time role. And at the time, I, I actually really didn't know if this is what I wanted to do. Um, I I waffled on it for as long as I could. And I asked, I kept asking Moon and Umesh to, you know, can I get one more week to think about it? And then finally they were like, no, you have to decide. And so <laughs> I, I I took the risk. I went with um I went with the, the opportunity that I thought like, you know, would not come up again. Um That's I thought, cool. you know, transitioning back into energy would be easy if I wanted to. Um, but I've been here for five and a half years now, so. Yeah, well done. I mean, how I, I have many questions already, but I'm thinking like, how do you make the move from energy and utility and even being yeah. maybe one year in China and, and coming back and saying like, okay, I'm going to do the internship into something completely different on in a franchise at the Magics? Yeah. How come? Uh, it was really hard, to be honest. I had... I. I, it was a lot of cold calling of just reaching out to people on LinkedIn mm. and being like, Hey, I see you're in sports. Like, let me know, like, can, can I ask you a few questions about your role, et cetera. And so I had a lot of those intro conversations before I started, but before I had like a real, a real opportunity to actually materialize with the Orlando magic. Mm. Um, and so because, you know, people were so willing to talk to me at the beginning. I'm super thankful for that. So these days, you know, whenever somebody reaches out to me on LinkedIn, I try to reciprocate that, um, that time and just, you know, let them know about my experiences and what sort of advice I would give to them. But yeah, a, a lot of it was just talking to a lot of people before that actual, you know, important interview, just to know what were the pros and cons of the job? What's, how does the role differentiate? how is the world differentiated with, you know, the NBA versus the MLB versus the NFL? Mm. They're all very, very different, right? It's not just one sports job. Yeah. It's the same across leagues or across, you know, international waters as well. Did, did you have a passion? Like, did you, did you yeah. start with basketball because you, you loved the game or you loved because it was more Gen Z oriented or was it more something, something different or like why sport as well? I mean, was it because you have a passion for it? Yeah, I've always grown up playing sports. Um, and when I was, uh, I, I used to watch football on Saturdays. I grew up more of a um, a college football fan. My dad grew up in Gainesville, Florida, and so I was a huge University of Florida fan. My my grandpa taught at University of Florida for thirty years, so that's how where I gained sort of my sports passion. Um, and then I played basketball myself through high school, and then club in college. And when I was in business school, I was our uh, I was our section's intramural secretary, so it was you know coordinating the sports amongst the different sections. So I've always been a part active participant in sports, um, and you know the the, the the role with Orlando Magic materialized because they were one of the only teams at the time that had an MBA level 
internship. Everything else mm. was sort of like for undergrads. Um, and so that was, it was really only the, the few proper internship programs that were offered at the time. I think, I think nowadays there might be a little, some more, um, but honestly it was almost, it was a combination of, you know, trying really hard and also being lucky that, um, that they actually offered that type of program. Yeah, I was going to say it always feels like when people ask me, how do you penetrate the sports industry, right? And as people reorganize and are in their mid-30s or young students, it's all, it's all about trying one more time than the person next to you. And as you start delivering, then you have huge potential and huge opportunities. But it's true that having the first step, having the first job in the sports industry is always the hardest one. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And actually, the, the good thing, I think, for the sport industry is that you have I mean, I don't know, maybe because I've not been in many industries. So, but what I think about the sport industry, if I have to, to zoom back, it's, I think people are very much passionate and people tend to give their time. I mean, if, yeah. you, if you reach out to them, I think for me in the sport industry, what I found is that you're more likely to find people that will take the time to talk to you than in other, potentially in other industries. So maybe that's a wrong assumption, but that's something also like, I think so. That might be good for our listeners to to keep pushing, and even though you don't have any reply, you you can start off again tomorrow. For sure, yeah. I think what also differentiates those candidates that I hear from is like I hear I hear I hear from a lot of people once, right? But the people that really follow up with me and like, hey, this is an update of like you know how my classes are going or like mm. what kind of internships I'm going. Like those people really do stick out to us, and we think about those people when we're thinking about hiring. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, b before we jump right into like your daily job and what you're doing at the Niners, uh, I was thinking, I, I've seen and we, we didn't talk about it, but I think you, you're part of the Women of the Niners. Can, can you tell us more around this initiative? Yeah, so um, women, women of the Niners is sort of our external fan group um, focusing on 40, 49ers uh, women fans. And it's a, right. it's a group that's out of our uh, sort of grassroots marketing team. Um, Women Connect is our internal group that, uh, that I was a part of for three years. Each board member um, has, has a stint of three years. And so mine has actually, I guess I've, I've, I've finished my three years already. Um, but when I first joined the Niners, I was pretty involved in our, ex, in our internal um, employee resource group. And Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, advancing women in sports business is something that is particularly, um, you know, a passionate, a, a passion topic for me. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, a lot, even, even though the balance of women and men might be equal in an organization, when you look up at the senior leadership, even at the Niners right now, it's, it's, you know, mostly men, um, And so I tried to, um, I tried to take some of my learnings with like, you know, some of the women's groups at, uh, at HBS at business school to see how they really, um, elevated women in the workplace and whether that's, you know, having women have some sort of presentation opportunities that they might not have in their direct roles or having them have more exposure to leadership. I think those are all things that we really tried to work on internally to, um, to, you know, set up some, some of these women who are more junior to have success later on in their career. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, I see. and is that one of your prerogatives as, you know, business strategy for the 49ers? Is it also about that parity and pushing women up the ladder because there's, you know, they, they should have just as, men, as much opportunities as the men have. Is that part of your job or is that something next to your, to your work of business strategy and analytics for the 49ers? 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's always something that's constantly in the back of our minds, right? Whether or not it's part of the Women Connect group at the 49ers or just, you know, our, our hiring when we think about who we should hire next in our business strategy and analytics group. Um, you know, not only gender diversity, but racial diversity as well, socioeconomic diversity. And yeah, I think that's, I think it's one of those, I guess, being in, being in sports business analytics, it's historically a, a, a group that has been predominantly male. Um, but I think, you know, like it takes all of us to try to transition that into a more um, sort of balanced workplace in both the entry-level positions and the senior positions. We're quite happy. I mean, in full transparency with with you and our listeners, we're quite happy to to have you on as well because we, we're trying as well as much as we can to to invite more and more women, uh, more and more female, uh, mm-hmm. because we, we think it's important. We know the sport industry historically and even today is, is there are a lot of male and it's dominated even at sea level, especially by by male, but. This is why we're also super happy to to have you and also to to bring on new new perspectives uh, as well. Um, given the the strategy you you just referred to and knowing that it's part of the strategy that the Niners have in terms of like uh, targeting some some specific group, we we discussed briefly about the the memes or the the member inclusive menu that you've been working out hard with your team uh, with the, with the mm-hmm. best in the latest games. Can, can you tell us more about it? I think it was specifically designed for uh, season ticket members. Yeah, so the member-inclusive menu is an initiative um, that we are super that we were super proud to sort of execute successfully this year uh, amongst not only our business strategy team, but, you know, it took our stadium operations team, it took our partnerships team, our sales team, our service team, our marketing team, everybody in the organization to roll out an initiative that was as big as what it was. Um, So the member inclusive menu was a benefit that was exclusively for season ticket members. And it included stadium favorite foods um, and non-alcoholic beverages as a part of their admission to the 49ers games. Um, and you know, no other team has, has, has offered something offered a benefit of this size and scale that required, you know, educate fan education with how the technology worked behind it too, because mm-hmm. we were, we, we used um, our app. Um, it was, it was a, technology powered by venue next to, to the, to verify whether or not as someone who is holding an eligible ticket for that, for that program. And so you would, a fan would go up to the kiosk, they would order and they would use their phone to scan a QR code. That QR code would automatically be connected to their ticket. And it would say like, yes, this person deserves, um, you know, four free items or no, this person, you know, bought on the secondary market. Therefore we're going to charge this person for four items. Um, so yeah, I think like the, if you think about, how many people are in our stadium, right? Like 60, 65,000 people are in our stadium. Um, a lot of them are season ticket members, you know, about 85% are season ticket members or they got their tickets transferred from a season ticket member, feeding all those people, uh, you know, within like a 15 minute time frame at halftime. It's just it's a huge undertaking for our stadium. And so we're super proud to have uh, executed that program this year. So the menu was literally about menu attached to food. It was an in-stadium mm-hmm. experience. It was nothing beyond stadium. It wasn't like a mm-hmm. complete user journey. Yeah, it was mostly focused on the food experience in the stadium um, because, you know, historically that aspect of game day is not very well received. You know, like there's mm-hmm. there's a lot of research that says 
most people have some some type of problem when it comes to ordering food or their food experience at the stadium. And so we were thinking about ways to solve that problem. Um, and you know, this is, this was the solution that we came up with. Funny that you're saying that from a U.S. perspective, because the great European experience of going to this venues at the U.S. is that the the food service is so much better because the (laughs) Europe are so bad, but then you keep improving on it is, is, uh, it's funny. Yeah. I didn't want to comment on that, but that's, that's definitely right. But I was wondering, is there any research? I mean, what was, what make you execute that kind of program was it something where you said like okay we need to improve our game day or what what, where does it come from more or less like yeah um so the idea came from years and years of survey data sometimes my ticket goes for cheaper next to me when it's sold on a secondary market like what am i what benefit Mm -hmm. am i getting by signing up for you know all 10 home games in the season Um, Another one was the food experience, right? Like the food experience just wasn't super positive. And so we thought that the member inclusive menu could be a good solution to combine these two, right? Like only season ticket members are able to get it. And then, um, you know, it's improving the food value as well because it's part of the ticket um, when you you sign up to be a season ticket member. I know it's not the topic, but what are the benefits of being a season ticket holder beyond the the venue experience? Are are, are you guys working on that or it's specific you you guys are specifically working for the uh, on the ad venue experience with your team yeah so the member inclusive menu um was the main benefit that was sort of driven from the business strategy side even though you know it took like all a lot of our uh the rest of the departments in the organization as well um the other benefits are probably more typical to the other benefits that you get from being a season team member or sports team right like you have exclusive access to certain events um pictures on the field um, you know, your own dedicated rep when it comes to troubleshooting your tickets or even just your ex- experience, season ticket member gifts that you get to select which gifts you want. Um, those types of, those types of benefits. I guess today you're also thinking a bit more, I mean, with all the craziness around the NFTs or the metaverse and all these digital and the virtual stadium that will come into place potentially in the future, do you, are you also thinking as part of the menu to to bring in on maybe new assets uh, coming up from more the digital side of thing? Yeah, so I think we're always you know constantly thinking about what what new ways we can add value to the season ticket member. Um, the those specific assets that you're talking about, like NFTs, I think it depends on league to league. So in the NFL, for example, that is very tightly controlled by the league. And so we cannot do anything that is outside of what the league, like what league initiatives we have. Um, Exactly. And so that one is a little bit trickier for us to sort of think outside the box. Um, But, you know, we have, we have a team that's, you know, dedicated to researching that and what those opportunities might be in the Mm -hmm. future so that we can help craft some of what that um, strategy might be with the league. All right, cool. Um, And just like, I'm taking a step back because uh, I would like to hear you a bit, not just on the meme, but more on the business strategy and analytics, which is your role. And you mentioned the survey, but I guess there are plenty of data touch points that you have, I guess, your entire team, but also the other business units are are constantly collecting data. Could could you give us a bit of a 
a brief overview of, of what you guys are doing, how you're collecting the data, how you are digesting it, and how do you turn that into like insights and, and pushing them for, for key decision-making for, for the C-level people? Yeah, I guess to go back to, um, you know, how we designed our member inclusive menu as well, a lot of a lot of like exactly what menu items should be provided was based off of concessions data. So we have, you know, each each transaction and like what people are buying. Um, So we just designed the menu around the most popular items so that most people would be satisfied with the offering. Um, so on game day, you know, concessions is a huge concession data is a big one. Uh, retail data is a big one. Tickets and ticket pricing is a big one too. Um, and then, you know, on non game day, we collect a lot of information on digital engagement, um, and our, like what kind of content our social team puts out our, um, engagement with the, with our emails. How do we increase our click mm-hmm. rates and how and open rates, et cetera. And the, all of these all of this data sort of drives you know, what types of uh, you know content or what kind of experience we then put out to the season ticket holders or you know anybody that engages with our brand, not even in the stadium. Mm. And and part of your strategy, I mean, I'm thinking because data is just a utility or something that that helps you drive a strategy. What for the Niners? What what it is? Is it? To grow the fan base locally first, like you mentioned, yeah. like add venue uh, in stadium with, with a better service in terms of like food or, or whatever comes along it. Or do, do you have something a bit more international? I know the NFL is also trying, I mean, the league is also trying to push boundaries a bit more in Europe. Do, do you have like specific maybe top, top priorities that help you like use the data to, to push in one direction or, or another? Right. I guess I'll talk about like the, the larger sort of priorities of our business strategy team and data sort of drives all four of those mm-hmm. pillars. And so we divide our, like what we do in our business strategy team into four buckets. The first one is, um, you know, driving sales and revenue. And so our, our CRM and our sales campaigns and optimizing that, that return on investment. Okay. Um, another one is fan surveys. And so a lot of data is collected there. Another one is um, is our partner relationships that we have with our concessionaires. So on the retail side, it's Levy, and then and then on the oh, sorry on the retail side, it is Fanatics, and then on the concession side, it's Levy. And so all the retail data and all the concessions data, you know, we're helping to to drive some of those decisions and help our partners perform better as well. And then the fourth one is the larger bucket of you know growing the brand, and that is what you would. Um, what probably what you were alluding to with like the, some of the international initiatives and what how we can mm-hmm. grow our brand beyond the stadium and game day. And so we have a lot of other affiliated businesses there as well. Like, for example, we have 49ers Fit, which, which is a gym that's open to the public in San Jose. And to launch that to launch that gym, we had data around, you know, where are our season ticket members located in the Bay Area? What would be the best um, location for that particular gym that is you know not close to any other gyms um, but still close to close enough to the stadium so that they feel like they're part of the 49ers as well um, so yeah all, data drives all four of those pillars and um, I wouldn't say that you know one is necessarily more important than the other those are all initiatives that we're working on a day-to-day basis each person in our team might focus on one initiative over the other but as a whole as a team um, those are the four sort of priorities that we try for the organization and interesting is it is it just because 
it, it sounds like all of your activations are very local based, right? For your local community and for the fans. Is it because it's your particular unit that is focusing on that, or is it because most of the 49ers community and the and the and your fans are basically based in that area that you're not looking at more international operations? Yeah, I mean, I think that is about to change because we were just given rights to international markets. And so prior to, I mean, I think it was almost like, you know, only two weeks ago when we, when we found out that we could now enter the UK and we can now enter Mexico, um, that like more opportunities for revenue and fan growth are, are there. Um, I think prior to that, you know, it was a little bit unclear, like what we could do in certain international markets. And obviously the league has, has helped with growing the NFL brand outside of, um, yep. outside of the U S but I, I think in the, we, the NFL is challenged in some ways more so than, you know, the MLB or the NBA, just because of football as a sport, right? Like it's not as popular in other countries. And so we do have to think outside the box a little bit and um, our revenue opportunities might be a little bit, you know, less like an exhibition game is not going to do as well as like an NBA exhibition game does in China, for example. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, it makes me think that the, the, the NFL did launch in Europe uh, a while back and it did really right, work. Right. It feels like there's a whole new dynamic with the mm -hmm. NFL game coming to, uh, to London, obviously, and now uh, the European sure, professional football league that's being launched. So it feels like there's uh, a new momentum to try something new for, the, for football to grow outside of the U.S. territory. For sure. Just like I, I wanted to go back a little bit on the um, fan experience on game days because uh, during my time at the RGL, like Global Sports Venture Studio, we had Levi as well with us, uh, Levi. And one of the things that I've heard during one of the sessions was around the um, an SAP tool, um, the exec executive huddle or something like that. Mm -hmm. And yeah, actually yeah. it was like uh, something, it's a control room that allows you to compile data and, and information uh, and I'm not really sure whether it's within your remit but as you were mentioning the uh, the game day experience and all all the data you collect around the, the concessions I was wondering is that something part of of what you're doing or, or working with my teammate Noel Crooks um, leads the that initiative for our team with the SAP executive huddle Um, so she, she would definitely be a great person to talk to as well on this podcast. Um, but yes, so, so we collect, so the executive huddle is designed to help us collect data in real time, um, for game day so that we can make, you know, you know, real time adjustments to what, to what's happening on the, on the ground. And so, for example, this, this season, um, it's, was helpful for us for our, you know, concession sales data. So we can see, you know, which stands are busier, which stands are running out of what product. And so we can, you know, switch it off temporarily in our, in our menus. Um, uh, so, you, so yeah, I think does it work for the toilets? I mean, talking completely <laughs> different, like you, you were yeah. mentioning life. One of the key problems for everybody going to a stadium is like the, the waiting line at the toilet. And if someone right. can tell me, go on the left and on the right and you will be waiting just two minutes instead of eight if you stay here. Yeah. Definitely best best experience ever. <laughs> yeah, so right now we don't have like specific wait times integrated into it. Mm -hmm. However, in the past, um, it was very good to actually show us, um, you know, what like that, that there might be like a, 
like a toilet that's like not working mm-hmm. or a toilet that needs to be maintained or like, a, you know, a mess in the bathroom, for example. Uh, Cause we did have like the happier, not um, stands in there that we yeah. have, have like happy okay. face, sad face. And then we knew that like when there's more sad faces, that means something was wrong. We do have to call like uh, janitorial or engineering to that particular stadium or to the particular okay. bathroom in the stadium. And actually another question on that, are you following the UGC trend in terms of allowing the people to actually interact between each other to give information? Like I, I, I can't remember which startup it was, but who were discussing, how do I find a veggie sandwich at the venue, right? And having that mm. interactive, oh, you can find it here or, you know, have it next to the, to, to the, to whatever shop or whatever food, right. or, yeah, food stand you might have. Are, do you have peer-to-peer inter- interaction on your uh, stadium experience? Yeah, we do not, but that's a super interesting idea um, because, you know, oftentimes they have, they just have more, more coverage, right? And they have more, they've been to the stadium more times than, you know, someone who's, who's just walked in. And so oftentimes there are, people are asking questions that sometimes I don't even know on the concourse. You know, so. <laughs> so that'd be, that'd be an interesting tool. We do have a chat bot though, where we, um, mm-hmm. where we have like most of those, those questions updated. If we want to, um, if we want to, you know, like answer some basic questions, but you know, sometimes as you're saying, like, like if, like sometimes we find out that day that like a certain concessionaire will not be there and like it's just too late for us to, to update that question in the chat bot. And so I think that would be a super interesting uh, idea to get like very real time answers for, for someone that might've just walked by that stand or something. Mm, yep. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, I don't know if I've missed anything, uh, part of your job at the 49ers, but, uh, I want it also for, for our listeners because when we discussed it and when I invited you, the interest for, for us as well was, I know we are, you are also involved with the Elevate um, in the VC world. And so we were wondering like whether this role is completely integrated within what you're doing at the 49ers or is it something like you have some kind of a dual role and, and you have to, to manage to work uh, yeah. one to another? Yeah, so I would say the role is pretty separate. Although, you know, I guess historically when Elevate Sports Ventures was just starting, um, the Insights team was pretty much the team the, the, the team that was ex- executing on the Insights projects, which is like the equivalent of the business strategy and analytics team at the 49ers, was the actual business strategy team at the 49ers. And so all of us at the time worked for some some Elevate clients while also you know, having our, our day jobs as the 49ers. Um, as Elevate has grown, we now have a dedicated sort of insights team and people that work only on insights okay. projects. However, there are a lot of us on the 49ers side that still do work on both um, both sides. So for example, I, I work, I have the two main Elevate clients right now, um, as well as, you know, some of the responsibilities I have on the 49ers side. Okay. But you're not managing a team on the Elevate side. It's more like you have clients from... Or maybe you have a team and they are helping mm-hmm. you to manage the clients. Yeah. Yeah. So we do have a team like I, like so on the two clients that I'm on for the L for elevate right now, I do have like a team working okay. on that, those two clients. Yeah. Okay. And are, are, are those sports organizations or are there, uh, are yep. there organizations? And that, yep, they're and- all sports organizations. So all of our clients on the elevate side are all sports uh, properties, entities, uh, maybe venues as well. Um, and then some of our clients on the, you know, 
brand consulting side who might be trying to associate some of their brands with sports teams um, or in some way related to, you know, wanting to be exposed to the sports industry. I guess it's non-NFL, right? Um, yeah. So the two clients that I'm working on are the are, are, are MLS. Um, it's, it's public information. So them. Um, mm-hmm. one is the St. Louis MLS right. team, St. Louis City. Yeah. So expansion team. And then another one is this uh, Seattle Sounders FC. Okay. Cool. Yeah. And can you work with uh, with NFL uh, teams as well? We do. We do. Yeah. It's it's interesting dynamic because we don't actually see other NFL teams as our competitors. Like on, on the field, obviously, yes. And so you know, mm. but 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 business wise, speech. Exactly. Like it's we're we all have the same goals of you know increasing fan increasing revenue improving fan experience and if we can share that knowledge across other teams like we are more than happy to we're more than happy to chat with them yeah i mean it it does make a lot of sense right and it's funny because in europe um it used to be very competitive between the teams in the local territories Mm -hmm. but now it's really very competitive with the super high level teams right you will say the top 20 football soccer clubs or football clubs Uh, when you're in Europe, um, are very competitive with one another and they're not sharing because their target is really the international audience. But based on what you were saying, right. you, the, 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 the audiences in NFL are mostly super local. So most of the revenue are is coming from the local community. So therefore, it's, it's maybe more transparent to share more extensively than, um, than it might be in Europe. Mm-hmm. Right. I think, you know, the rising tide lifts all boats in, in this in this situation. And so, you know, yeah, we don't see them as competitors. And I was I was wondering part of your job. I mean, I, I understand the, the business inside. Is it very much related to what you do with the within the 49ers? Uh, or do you do you also kind of scout monitor the uh, the tech and the startup ecosystem? from a VC standpoint to, to make sure you, you can provide innovative solutions or, or new ways to improve for, for, for these clients of yours? Or, or is it more related to what you're doing on a daily business to within the 49ers? I would say it's probably the latter. It's probably more related to the business that we do at the 49ers. Okay. Um, in the end, like the our insights team at Elevate and then our business strategy team at the 49ers, our goal is to bring data to drive revenue and increase satisfaction. And I think mm-hmm. that's most of the projects that we work on on the Elevate side, at least from the insights team, are related to, to that, whether it's you know driving partnership revenue, driving premium suites revenue, um, understanding but having a better understanding of who their fans actually are to you know increase fan engagement those are the types of projects that we work on for the insights team um oftentimes they will ask you know what are the best practices for this type mm-hmm. of app for this type of product etc um and we definitely have, like have the research and the resources to help them along with that um with those types of questions um when it comes to you know placing startups or recommending startups uh it's i would say the sports industry is a little bit risk averse in that in those ways um and so i don't think that a client has necessarily asked us for that just yet um <laughs> you know but it's definitely something that we we totally look into okay okay so it's part of your job as well sometimes when when the the requests come up or if it will come up in the future to 
to just count and to try to find the best solutions out there with the best practices. I was going to ask for the members inclusive menu, did you develop most of what you did in-house or did you actually rely? Yeah. Uh, So that one was an interesting one because there was no best practice out there, right? Like we had nothing (laughs) to really base it off of because no one had done it um, at all. And so a lot of what we were thinking about, we had to, we had to come up with um, in, in person. And so, you know, luckily the the technology was already there because Venue Next was doing this with other clients at some of their other stadiums. It was just not at the scale that we were doing that we had it. And so mm-hmm. we've we've we worked with them to develop additional solutions along the way to help us with the specific pain points. Um, you know, and we do, and obviously t- it takes a little bit um, of time for them to develop the stuff. So we have or develop certain features. And so we have a list for, that we're going to discuss with them for next season to try to make it, you know, even better. And so I think that's one of the important things to highlight there is just having a good technology partner along with you uh, for these types of initiatives where there is not, no real best practice that you can base it off of. Do you have product that you've been developing for the 49ers in terms of analyze? analyzing specific like ticketing or concessions or specific tools or apps that then you've been just like replicating outside of the 49ers for your clients or, or is it not necessarily the case? Yeah, I think, um, I don't know if it's like a specific technology, but mm. um, oftentimes we will take what we did at the 49ers and then, um, okay. you know, share that information with our Elevate clients. So for mm. example, I don't, maybe it's like, the variables that go into a retention model or a lead scoring model, or, you know, how we've, how we've developed leads, how we've generated sales campaigns. And at that, at the Niners, we'll take what we learned from those mistakes and from those wins to mm-hmm. be, to elevate clients and say like, Hey, this is what we've seen that, that has worked in the past. This is what hasn't worked in the past. Um, just so that, you know, there's, they don't have to climb the same sort of like learning curve. And, you know, that's exactly what we'll do with the member inclusive menu too, right? Like if, if other teams are looking for, to, to roll out that sort of product and service to their fans, we'll let them know exactly what worked and exactly what didn't work so that they don't have to go through those, those, uh, those scary moments of us being on the stadium and be like, oh no, this is not working. We have to change something, right? <laughs> yeah. I guess that's why they come to you as well, because at least you've, you get the experience and you, you've crash tested and and that seems to work exactly. Um, right. I, I was thinking um, to to take a step back, maybe a, maybe a bit more like philosophical question. It's around data. I mean, for long we've been saying data is the new oil, and I mean I've been hearing that for years. For you, like early twenty twenty two, if you were sitting with other C level and that you hear that, what what would be your thoughts on on, on that? To, to which extent data is so much crucial for the sport industry for today, but maybe for tomorrow in your case? Yeah, I mean, I, tol- I would totally agree with that. Um, you know, if we were not collecting survey data in our previous years, like we wouldn't have the ability to roll out the member inclusive menu, right? Like if we were not collecting our concessions data, we would not, we would have no idea like how, how to design something for tomorrow. Um, and like all the, all the important data that we're collecting this year is going to influence everything that we do next year. Um, and so I think, you know, having, having data to really drive the de- those decisions was, was, was crucial for us because we, you know, there is a lot of sort of what I was talking about before, like risk aversion when it comes to like, 
rolling out new things um, for sports teams. And it, this was a huge risk for us. It could have gone completely disastrously. We, uh, and um, <laughs> like we, but, but however, we had the, we had enough data to say that like, okay, at least it's worth trying. Right. And like yeah. the upside for this is going to be, um, is going to be something that's, that's worth taking that, taking that at bat risk. So um, yeah, I think having data allowed us to push this initiative forward and to get people comfortable um, with, with trying something completely crazy like this. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, who knows what the next, who knows what the next initiative might be that we're collecting data for today already on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I I have one question as an organization, are you looking to acquire more data points or are you looking to optimize the data points that you already have? Oh, both. Yeah. um, Probably. I mean, yeah, definitely both, but I'm, I'm thinking about like, there are, unfortunately data points that we collect that we just don't have the time to even look through. Um, right. Like even, even our concessions data, like while we do collect it at an individual level basis, like right now there's not a, there's not a a, a total, Mm. I guess there's not a lot that we could do with like knowing that, for example, I order four hot dogs every single game. Like what is like, we haven't necessarily used that yet. Um, and so I think there's a lot of use cases for the data that we are collecting that we can think about in terms of like what, I think the question though is like, how is it going to return um, if I know that I'm buying four hot dogs? I think those are the things that we um, need to spend a little bit more time on and guess just get a little bit more faster in terms of like, like cleaning that data and making it usable as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's always, there's always data that we're like looking to collect for people that may, and I think that maybe this is, um, you know, treading, treading into those new opportunities as well, right. With the international fans, like what are they, what are our international fans engaging in? What kind of, what kind of content appeals to them specifically? And how do we create that content to, um, to pull in new fans? I think that's a huge question that, uh, we haven't necessarily found the answers to yet. Cool. Um, for me, I, um, I was thinking while you were replying, like, the try and fail culture. I mean, this is something maybe because of my background, but I was, I think in the US, especially you are quite good, if not excellent in terms of like not being that mm-hmm. much risk adverse compared to Europe. But when I hear you, it's funny to, to hear that even in an NFL team, I mean, in an NFL franchise with quite financial and expertise means at disposal and quite an innovative culture, you're still saying like you're still risk adverse. I mean, how how come and how do you you try to to change that? Or what would be your recommendation in terms of like being even more innovative or trying new things? Yeah. I guess when I, when I think about risk averse, I, I'm also comparing it to like the other tech companies that are, that we're surrounded by, right? Like it's, it's just very, it's a little bit different with that, with that. And you are in the Um, Bay area. So just, just saying. Yeah. Yeah. And, but we, what you were talking about though, like, like when you're financially sound is sort of when you're also like, well, nothing's broken. So why, why try to fix it? Why change? Exactly. Um, like we didn't need to roll out the member inclusive menu, like, you know, we had the data and we had the, um, we wanted to push that limit of like, of, of, you know, 
the the in venue experience is now have it has competition with like your huge flat screen TVs and the comfort mm-hmm. of your home, especially post COVID, right? Like people are just sort of used to that, and so we have to try to think a little bit ahead of that curve. And mm-hmm. you know, our organization in general, I would say, is is one of the most innovative in the when it comes to like the sports teams, but I think a lot of them don't necessarily have to push the envelope. Um, and, you know, I think we as an organization, um, you know, testing those waters is, is something that's sort of like in our DNA and we have that culture to, you know, to take those risks and to, um, you know, and to celebrate mm-hmm. the wins, but then also take some of our failures and also learn from that as well. But there's plenty of things that we've also failed at too, you know. But I, I guess that must come from the leadership team as well. I mean, having also Elevate Sports Venture on the side and the 49ers, mm-hmm. I mean, from the board and, and, and the leadership team, I guess that must be part of your culture as well. Or th- there must be a lot of failure no one knows about. But that's just daily business on your end, yeah. I guess. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, th- I think we're, we're almost on time already and time flies. Uh, b- before we, we conclude, uh, I was thinking like for, for anybody out there and, and you started with that, it's what, what I would like to, to hear your thoughts or, or your piece of advice for our listeners in terms of like if you are a team or if you are a club in Europe, uh, what, what kind of advice you can give to them in order to, to improve fan engagement? Uh, I guess it's mostly around in-venue, but... You know, maybe not having a crystal ball, but maybe it's what what kind of advices would you would you would you give us and them in terms of like what we need to look at, what we need to do in terms of like this next gen of in stadium experience. Yeah, I think a lot of uh, a lot of my answer was sort of focus around what we were just talking about in terms of like like just don't be afraid to do it. Um, I think a lot of these organizations are sitting on some great ideas and some great data that can tell the story as to why a certain initiative might work. Um, I would say go for it, uh, fight for it in the organization. And, uh, you know, if you, if you can truly back it up with reasons as to why it could work and why, why, you know, capturing that upside might be that might be, you know, more, you might want to focus on capturing that upside rather than the sort of the downside risks. Um, do it. Mm. I know that's like way easier said than done. <laughs> and so, um, but, but I think like a lot of, a lot of organizations might just be sitting on these great ideas that unfortunately just never get executed. And I think that's, that's a little bit unfortunate, you know? Mm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Maybe if I can ask one last question before we actually wrap it up is in terms of inspirations, um, whether it be on your day-to-day work, whether it be in the sports industry, whether it be a book, a movie, a show, like w- what are your sources of inspiration individually? Yeah, that's interesting. I'm, I think I'm, um, I'm suffering from some recency bias here because I just watched a movie uh, called 14 Peaks. Have you guys seen that movie? Not yet. Um, uh, it's, it's on Netflix. And so you guys should definitely watch it, okay. but it's, It's about a Nepalese mountaineer who climbs um, all 14, 8,000 meter peaks in like less than a year. Or something like that. Exactly. Exactly. And I think like, I I think it's like that kind of attitude that is wired in a lot of us in business strategy of like, like, let's just push the boundaries and um, like think about things that no one has ever really done before. 
and like, and just go for it. I think, you know, in his case, like his, his, he had a lot at stake, right? Like he, he could have died like every single time he was on one of those mountains. Like for us, it might be more of like a financial, like, Oh, like it, you know, it didn't work out financially. And so when I think about that kind of risk profile, it's like way less than you know, what you had to deal with. Um, but I, I think that like those types of stories are just very ins- inspirational, just like striving to be the best and striving to prove to people that, that the people that think that like it can't be done, that it can be done is, is something that I think what we are thinking, what we have in the back of our minds every day. I think I'm done for this podcast. That was that was super cool, super interesting. Uh, honestly, uh, I think I will continue the the conversation, uh, and I, and I will reach out to you because I still have a few a few other questions. But really, awesome. thank you very much for your time. Uh, thank you very much for being with us and sharing all of that. I really love as well the uh, the, the the first part and the beginning into like the piece of advice you can give to anyone. Uh, to enter the, the sport industry. And again, like we said, very, very pleased to have you on uh, and to try to, to have a, a bit more of a diverse uh, roster when it comes to invitees on our podcast. So uh, thanks. Thanks for accepting the invite as well. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. This is, it's, it's always fun to, you know, share experiences and have a good chat with people who um, are like-minded like yourselves. Cool. Thank you, Allison. Great having you. Thank you. Bye. Keep in touch. Talk to you later. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope you enjoy it as much as we love creating them. If you like the episode, feel free to comment, rate, and share with people around you. You can visit our website, www.lastsource.io, to learn more about our activities. You will discover a wide range of articles and can subscribe to our newsletter to receive the latest tech and sports news in your mailbox every month. Stay tuned for new episodes. Le Corner.